1: Welcome to Exploring Missions.
2: Connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs. Across the world or
1: across town. And now, the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper, on AFR Talk. One of the greatest examples of discipleship, which is a part of missions, is found in Luke 24. This is where we have the story, we call it, The Two on the Road to Emmaus. And today, Ray... Rooney and I will be looking at this and look at the missional aspect of it and and what Jesus accomplished in opening the eyes of these two. Uh, who owned the road. Now, we don't know their names. We just know it's two individuals. Uh, I've heard a lot of speculation. That's not a purpose today. But a purpose is to see what Jesus did in their lives, as he took them and and brought them in a closer context of knowing him and his purpose for their lives. So we want to do that today here on Exploring Missions. Ray, it's good to have you again with us, brother. I'm glad to be here, Bert. And when we look at Luke 24, verses 13 through 32, that's quite a lengthy passage for such an example of of what took place. That's, that's kind of unusual to occupy that much space in this documentary concerning the resurrection of Christ.
2: It is. It is. Uh, I think it's reflective of the importance of what's being
1: said and written here by uh, Luke. A lot of people think Luke may have been one of the men that was on the road to Emmaus, or one of the people. Some people think there may be a female involved in here, a male. It would be a husband and a wife, but we don't know who it is. But with the context, we only have Mark mentioning this. Uh, Matthew doesn't talk about the two on the road to Emmaus. Neither does John. Mark just has two verses about it. So Luke seems to have, I would say, the inside story of what took place anyway. Sounds exactly right to me, and it very well could have been. He may have been one of them. Okay. With that in mind, I want to start reading with verse 13 and go to verse 16, and we're going to occupy part of our conversation today. Now, behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together of all the things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned, I love that, they tried to reason it out, and it says that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, verse 16, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. Now, I don't know everything this means, and I don't know if God was purposefully holding back the revelation of who Jesus was, or if they... Because of their hardness of their heart and the disbelief of their heart about the resurrection, would not receive it. But regardless, uh, they did not recognize Christ uh, even when He was walking with them. That was that's quite a. I would say that's that's really a reality of people today that God really is coming to make Himself known to people in so many ways, and they don't even recognize Him.
2: Well, I think part of the lack of recognition has to do with a lack of expectation. Uh, it, it, from the context, it's clear they were not expecting to see Jesus, and if you're not expecting to see someone, uh, and they suddenly are there, it, it's just hard to recognize. It's happened to me several times. Somebody <laughs> would be in the room, and I'm supposed to know them, and my eyes just glance over, and I don't recognize them until suddenly someone says, well, there's this and such, and I say, well, I know him.
1: Yeah, <laughs> But... It was hidden for a while. Exactly. It was restrained. Now, these these two individuals, their eyesight is restrained where they did not recognize him. It makes you think that they should have. In other words, they have people who had seen Jesus, whether they were real close to him as a follower and uh, you know probably not one of the 12, but they were relatively close, part of the group that would follow Christ, and they still did not recognize him.
2: Well, we know that they knew the 12 because that's the first place they went to as soon as as uh, as soon as this story unfolds. That's the first place they go to. So they did have some kind of a relationship, and they should have, therefore, seemed to me, should have seen and recognized who this was, because yeah. he wasn't a man in a crowd now. It's
1: just them <laughs> two and him. That's right. Now, I'm going to jump ahead and go to verse 30 and 31, and then we're going to fill in what brought them to, to, to verse 31. Now, in 16, their eyes were restrained. Listen to verse 30 and 31. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him. What a statement. Then it says he vanishes away. We're not talking about that today. we're talking about knowing him. Okay, what took place between verse 16, their eyes were restrained and verse 31, their eyes were open. There's two or three things that did take place. So let's put the big picture over, and then we're going to zero in mainly on one. One, he walked with them for a while. That I would call that incarnationally. Jesus joined them in their journey. Uh, I, I, I think that's one of the ways God wants Believers to know about him, also those that are unbelievers, that he comes in his person of the Holy Spirit, convicting people of sin uh, in their journey of life. So he joined them in their journey, first of all
2: without uh, without their asking or anything. You're right. He he joined them. Uh, but I really like the part of the passage that says that when they came to a fork in the road, they urged him strongly to go with them. So God incarnationally comes uh, without your pleading, begging, asking. If you want him to stay, you might want and to this urge is him be- strongly. And
1: this is before they knew it was Jesus. Exactly. There was something there. Uh, the other is the one that we will concentrate in a little later. And it's that he began to talk with them and it says in verse 27 and beginning at Moses and all the prophets he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself Uh, it's great when scriptures come alive isn't it it's great when you have someone that can make them come alive it really is and the third thing that we want to talk about in their eyes being open, first he journeyed with them. He shared scriptures with them, but also he fellowshiped with them in a meal. Verse thirty, he sat at the table with them. He took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Uh, there are several times in the Bible where Jesus ate with his disciples. Uh, some people think there was something always special about Jesus breaking bread and and blessing it, and when they heard that, oh, mm-hmm. that's who that is, because they remembered him doing it with the fish, or he remembered doing it feeding the five thousand, whatever it was. But it is Jesus joining them in a very intimate uh, fellowship. He came and dwelt in their house, as you said, and now is sharing a meal with them. So those are the three areas that he he made himself known to them so their eyes were opened. Amen. Now, okay. But the one that you and I really see as a greater benefit is that of from Moses through the prophets, he opened the scriptures and they saw Jesus in the scriptures. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? It is.
2: It is. Uh, slow of heart to believe. All right, that's, that's, and he called them foolish ones. I'll underline that as that well. That means a little bit of a familiarization. I mean, uh, it, they, they weren't put off by that, but, uh, but I want to say this. Familiarization with the Scriptures isn't knowing, and knowing isn't believing. His, his declaration to them was, you're slow of heart to believe. That's where this is going, and they ended up there at the table with him believing.
1: Okay, so on the mission field... Okay. No, no matter what your fit mission field is, like our opening says, whether it's across the world or across town, what you you you've got to enter in into the relationship. You some way you've got to join them. Jesus joined them in their journey. If we're going to do missions, Ray, we've got to. We've got to take the initiative and join people where they are some way or other. We, we can't just stand by and watch people go by. We've got to enter in into a part. I'm not talking about entering into their sin, but we need to join in in part of their lifestyle or, excuse me, life's journey in order to converse, have a conversation with them.
2: Too many people are wanting evangelism to just happen, whereas I think the truth of the matter is evangelism is intentional. You're right. He joined them. He didn't wait to be asked. Now, he did wait to be asked when it when it was coming into a deeper relationship, but and I, here's what I'm saying, Bert. I think sometimes uh, churches think that just, just by virtue of having a church sign out front that says, when the service is, that's all they need to do. If you want to come, you can, but I'm with you. I think you have to be intentional and go out and
1: join people on their life's journey. Jesus certainly did here, but he did in life, too. He didn't stay in heaven. In the Old Testament, he would come and out, you know, these pre-incarnate Jesus appearances, him coming to us, making himself known to us. But the virgin birth had God incarnationally coming to us. It wasn't enough for him to stay in heaven and say, I love you. It wasn't enough for him to send the prophets and say, I love you. It was him coming to us. And, and, and we can say, you come, but we need to go uh, yeah, t- to where they I are. I like
2: that. You come, we need to go.
1: Okay. Then the other part was the meal. Uh, I, I don't want to take this further than it is, but this is life. I mean, you got to have food to eat, okay? Uh, a lot of the mission effort ought to be mercy ministries where we meet people's needs of where they are, and it will open up Christ to them, help us to have an avenue of sharing Christ when we share a meal with someone, when we help someone that's financially in difficulty. We don't just enable them, but we enab- enable them to become uh, stewards of what God's given them. So we, we joined them in that way. But he opened up to them the scriptures. And it says, beginning at Moses, that's talking about the Pentateuch, that's talking about the first five books. Uh, that's pretty neat that Jesus would take them to the beginning, in the beginning, Genesis, to show him Christ. Hey, one of the things that I really like about
2: this and in doing a little research on this passage where it says that he interpreted them uh, to them all the scriptures that word interpreted in this in, in the New Testament more often than not doesn't mean expounding on what's' it's, it's translating from one language to another and that tells me that they weren't well versed in in uh, the the scripture all right that's why he had what he was doing it seems to me was filling in the gaps that they didn't know. Oh, I can't tell you how important it is that that people know the Word, study the Word. That's the way into a deeper relationship.
1: That's where he comes uh, to us is in the Word. That's why getting the Word of God into people's hands and into their hearts is so important, and that's what Jesus did. But it says, beginning at Moses and the prophets – uh, he 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 puts them on the same elevation. Uh, you had the Sadducees in those days who did not even accept the prophetic word as scripture. Uh, only, but the Pharisees would accept the the Pentateuch, the first five books, and the prophets here. So Jesus puts the Old Testament. I'm telling you, that is ordained of God. Yes. It is the infallible Word of God, and Jesus elevates the Old Testament here to a, to the highest level possible. Amen. I agree 100%. And so the prophets, okay, uh, he started with Moses to the prophets, and the Word says this is what he did. He expounded to them all the scriptures. Uh <laughs> I believe Jesus – in other words, they were mindful of some of the scriptures, I believe. At least they knew about Moses. They knew about some of the prophets. But when I see that word, all the scriptures – they said, "You mean that was you, uh, the yeah. burning bush? That was God. Uh, that the you know the manna? That was you? You catch? I, I, I believe they got excited about what
2: Jesus revealed to them. Well, it says their hearts burned with Him. They confessed that when He was with us, did our hearts not burn within us? That's what the unveiling of God's word
1: does. It puts a burning in your mind and in your heart. So, if we're going to do missions." A vital part of this is trying to get groups together to study the Word of God. For the purpose of getting a burning going on in your heart. And Jesus says, when I am lifted up, I will draw men unto myself. And here it is, example, proof right here in Luke 24, that Jesus lifted up in Scriptures, revealing himself – and these two individuals were drawn to him like they'd never been drawn before. I've I've
2: just begged people to read the Bible. Don't don't just pick out a daily devotional little passage, read it and read it like a book and it will read you and you'll find that burning coming in without any without any outside intervention. Just let God burn
1: in your heart through the reading of scripture. Okay, one more thing that I want to make sure before we come to the end of this study and go into the interview that I hope people will be able to stay on and listen to, is he, beginning at Moses, uh, there was a consistency here. If you're going to have a Bible study, and it's a Bible study where you're going to take people deeper in the Word, or it's an evangelistic Bible study where it's people do not know the Lord, but they need to know him, uh, there's a way to go. And you start at the beginning and work through, and it'll make sense.
2: Don't start at Revelation or Don't Daniel. Don't start at Revelation
1: or Daniel. <laughs> This is Exploring Missions on AFR Talk. Today on Exploring Missions, we are, have the privilege of looking at a ministry that has changed lives for years. It is the Walk to a mass. And we know a little bit about the background, biblical background in the book of Luke, and uh, about the two who met Jesus. And it is one of the greatest experiences in the Bible because their eyes were opened, and they could see things that they'd never seen before. Can that happen in your life? We believe it can. Here to help us to understand that and know more about this is two guys that are involved in the Emmaus Walk or Walk to Emmaus, Randall Murphy, who is also the editor of the AFA Journal. Welcome, Randall. Thanks, Bert. And you've been in leadership for quite some time with Emmaus.
0: Well, I've had the the privilege to serve on the team's leading Walk to Emmaus weekends, yes, now for over 25 years.
1: Wow. The other member of our our guest today is Donnie Smith. He also works here at AFA. And he's in charge of all the work around here, maintenance work, the upkeep. uh, And so, Donnie, you've recently been on um, a mass walk, right? Yes, sir, Brother Bird, I have. And I know it changed your life, and we'll get to that in a moment. But we want to run a little bit about the history of it for as the, you know, since uh, it's been involved. You've been involved in 25 years, so it's older than that.
0: It is. It goes back to uh, the early part of the... uh, the 1900s, or the, I, I'm thinking, Bert, and I didn't look this up. I'm thinking maybe the 1930s. Okay, but the walk to Emmaus came along later. It was, it is based on or patterned after a a series of, of weekend retreats that uh, actually first arose in the Catholic Church, and then Protestant denominations began to to see some value in it and to get permission to adapt it for a. a a foundational biblical uh, Protestant version of the same kind of event.
1: Okay, and really, the history of it, as far as the Mass Walk, is out of the United
0: Methodist Church. It is under the umbrella of the United Methodist Church, but uh, it is very non-denominational in its approach, and, and all uh, people from all Christian denominations are urged to attend. In fact, there's a lot of leadership in. in uh, through these recent years I've worked on teams with people from Baptist churches Nazarene churches pastors even from those different denominations are involved so it does what it really does is focus on on the common ground issues and it's uh, its purpose is to challenge and to equip men and women to be better leaders in their home churches it's not something that takes away from the church but it tries to 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 challenge people and get us ready to to be better servants back in our own churches.
1: And it is for three days, as I understand it's,
0: it. It's th- uh, three full days, really. It's uh, pretty much 72 hours. You'll, you'll go in on a Thursday evening, and uh, it won't end until late Sunday afternoon. Small groups
1: is a part of that, I
0: guess, that weekend. Small groups are a part. And in, in the community uh, here in northeast Mississippi, where I work on teams, the uh, the total number of people involved uh, in the the guys in the conference room on a men's walk, for example, would be about fifty men, or maybe fewer than that. So it's not a huge event that you go to, but even in that small group, you're you're put into a, a smaller group that you you kind of bond with throughout the weekend, or around a table together, you discuss the issues, you pray together. You uh, share your burdens with each other and it creates a real community, of, uh, a close community where where men or women on the women's weekends. And these are two different things in Walk to Emmaus, through different events. Uh, men one weekend and women another weekend. But it really creates a setting where... Where I've seen walls fall down so many, many times in men's lives, and they they become transparent and eager to share and uh, share their burdens and, and to just uh, to to drop all pretense and and come broken men before Christ. Become real. Yes.
1: Now, what does this have to do with missions? Part of the Great Commission says, "Go and make disciples." And uh, I knew you were involved in the Mass Walk. And I knew Donnie was going to the MS Walk. And when we started this program, Exploring Missions, I said, I really want to get Randall and Donnie together after this weekend and and talk with them. Because part of the Great Commission is to make disciples. Um, Make sure you understand why we're doing this. So many people are in the mission effort. The biggest failure, according to the missionaries that I've talked to, is the issue of follow through. Uh, bel- they come to be believers, and they're kind of left dangling and hanging uh, on, on, on the limb, on the line, on the vine, and not maturing. What I hear about the Walk to Emmaus is discipleship and helping them to become more mature in their faith to help the local church carry out its mission. Am I uh, – is is that a fair
0: assessment? It is, I think. And Walk to Emmaus is a great tool for the local church to uh, to – to encourage their their folks to participate because during that weekend, discipleship is uh, that's what we're doing at Walk to Emmaus, uh, trying to equip, challenge people to, to serve better and to go deeper and, and richer into God's grace. The grace of God is, is an overriding theme, but discipleship is what the practical, that, that's just a practical application of what goes on there.
1: Okay. Donnie, I want to turn to you and You've just experienced this. Uh, it's fresh with you. When you hear Randall describing the small group and you hear him describing what it does for you and encouragement to you and challenging you. was that your experience? And tell us a little bit about what you experienced there this week past weekend. Well, I
3: didn't know what to expect when I got there. Um, but I'll tell you this right here. It was incredible. It's almost words can't tell you how good it is. Um, the love of Christ has shown so powerful, uh, real. I don't mean put on, I mean real, real love. Had a great group uh, that I was part of. Uh, of course, the whole group in a whole, but there's a small group that we're you know, right with. And a uh, great bunch of guys, loved the Lord, left a lot of garbage there. Um, that that someone's been carrying for years and years and years. Um, it makes you want to come back to your church and apply those same principles. You know, not just hey, how are you doing? But really showing the love of
1: Christ and uh, and mean it, not just a, a face. Okay. And you made sounds like you made some contacts with people that really blessed you but changed your life absolutely absolutely um
3: for me i would hold this weekend and it's gonna sound pretty powerful up there with getting saved getting married uh your first child i mean it's it's huge i would encourage every christian
1: to make this walk it will change your life well, while we're there, uh, if you want to know more, you're listening to this uh, program today or you're watching it on on Facebook or whatever you did, somebody sent it to you, you can go to UpperRoom.org and find out more about it. As I understand it, Randall, you're telling me they can kind of find out the different areas of the country where this is taking place because it is a worldwide ministry. That's UpperRoom.org slash Emmaus.
0: Yes. uh, At that website, they should be able to find information about where uh, Walk to Emmaus events are held in their city or their area uh, close to where they live or, you know, just how far they might have to travel to participate. But, yeah, that's a great place to start looking into it.
1: Okay, Donnie. One more thing I want you to do for sure. Give a sales job to that guy out there. People don't know Donnie Smith. Okay, Randall and I feel like Donnie Smith is a friend of ours he's the guy in, in the church that is back there taking care of the lights, the guy that's making sure that everything is running right, and uh, let somebody else make the announcements, let somebody else have the FaceTime. That's the Donnie Smith that, that we know. Could you recommend that to those people out there that they feel like, man, I'm just I'm just a regular Joe, regular guy. What? Why do I need this this spiritual high? Could you sell give a sales job on that i'll just be very frank i can do that um a lot
3: of us that went there uh thought that you know how how can how can i participate there and you you know it's all about serving and you know for those days the guys like us that love to serve were being served it was so humbled humbling i mean uh i'm just not used to that and um it's unbelievable, and I'm going to use that word a lot because it's, that's what it is. It's, you have to experience it for yourself to get the, the full picture. But I promise you, if you go to this, you will not be disappointed, and you will come back a
1: changed man or woman. Thank you, Don. And now think about this, the road to a mess. Let's put that back in the context of the Gospel of Luke. Mm-hmm. Here's these two guys. Possibly two guys. Randall blew my mind by saying, could it have been a man and a woman, a man and his wife? So anyway, these two people, and they're walking along, and they had hoped that the Messiah had come and the things were going to change in their life, and they were disheartened and and completely ready to – I look at it giving up, okay? Yes. So right. this may be the people that need to go to a mess. They're believers. They're followers of Christ, but they know they need something different. These two guys, or these two people in Luke, they met Jesus. Mm-hmm. So the whole idea of the Emmaus walk is through people who serve, and that's what Donnie is talking about, serving them, that they will have an experience, an encounter with the Holy Spirit and come back with Jesus just pouring out of them. Is that, uh, is that the goal?
0: Bert? Uh, uh, uh. Kind of piggybacking on a couple of things that Donnie said. He talked about being served, and that you will see just living examples of servanthood. That's one of the things that, that just uh, always, even having worked on teams for many years, that always humbles me to be served the way people serve me at Walk to Emmaus. Another thing is that although it's um, it is designed for believers, uh, it's not at all uncommon uh, to have men or women who come to faith in Christ, who who come there, perhaps thinking that they already have a relationship with Jesus, but but they find uh, they really find that faith in Christ there. Uh, there's another thing I want to mention, real quick. Uh, there's a real fun element to this thing. They do a lot of things that just. One one friend said it's like a surprise birthday party that lasts all weekend. (laughs) So there's a lot of fun stuff goes on in addition to the serious, deep, rich stuff. Mm -hmm.
1: Thank you, guys. We wanted folks to know the people at AFA, they're not just involved here. They're involved in other churches and other ministries, and we want our folks to know that about our folks at AFA. If you want more information, it's at upperroom.org slash Emmaus, and you can find out more details concerning it. Thank you, Randall. Thank you. Thank you, Donnie. Thank you. And we pray that this has been a blessing to you as you follow Christ and become his disciple sharing the good news of Jesus.